0: Hallelujah. Were the pancakes good? Right. Get your Bibles open, if you would, this morning to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. It's always awesome to be at conference. Amen. Getting refreshed, getting challenged. Transformed, encouraged, rebuked, everything we need, amen? Well, as people are coming in, I want to share a quick story. I became a hero last week. How many you like to be heroes? We're in a superhero generation. I became a hero last week. We have um, dogs. Well, my, my wife and kids have dogs. I had raised my hand the other day for not wanting dogs, but, you know, you do what you got to do to keep peace in the house, but they don't live in the house. So, um, we have a yard and we have dogs and, and so we have a, a possum too. They have possums here in Colorado. Have you ever seen a possum? Man, it's one ugly animal, especially when they're hissing at your dog. So for the longest time, we've had this possum coming into our yard. And it'll it'll be be at night, never fails, 10, 11, 12. And we have a a lab, and he goes crazy. Our fence is covered with paw scratches all over it. And he just goes crazy and barks and barks, and all the lights and all the houses come around. And this possum just stands at the top of the fence and just looks down at him and just opens those teeth up and just hisses. And uh, Sam can't quite reach him. And so we got to go out there and get him and bring him back in. And so I've wanted to take care of that possum for a long time. <laughs> but never had the chance. So the other night I was sitting in, in my uh, living room and the girl said, you got to come, you got to come. The possum's on the ground and Sam's trying to get at it. So if you know, possums are especially troublesome to dogs. And of course, they can carry rabies and all the risks and everything, so I got up valiantly and went out to face the challenge of that possum. They're just a big, small cat or oversized rat, but they are nasty looking. And I just went out and, and grabbed a broomstick, and uh, I had to do what I had to do, because it was either the dog or the possum or, or us. So I grabbed the other end of that broomstick, and I started beating that thing, and I beat that possum to death. They played dead at first, but he wasn't playing dead when I was done with him. He was really dead, amen, and called animal control. But the funniest thing is I walked in the house, and Kristen said, Daddy, you are my hero. So I became a hero last week, amen, by killing a possum. I'm proud of myself, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to, if you're taking notes, to talk about having courage at the crossroads. Courage at the crossroads. I'll explain that a little more in a moment. But Let's start off in verse 11. If you have Deuteronomy chapter 30. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not written in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and Bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Go, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, excuse me, that you may do it. And he says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. Amen. I want to look at 16 again and and realize this morning that God is not asking that much of us. Can you say amen? amen? He's just asking of us to do what he says. And he says there very clearly to walk in his ways, keep his commandments, keep his statues and his judgments that we would live and multiply. The day we live in today, church, that's our, jo- our job and our call as a church is to keep his commandments. We are his voice on the earth. Amen As the church. He just wants us to do this, and this has been all the way back to the beginning, the time of Moses, that God would just say, just keep my commands, do what I say. God is a good God. He's a loving God. He wants the best for us, but He just wants us to obey Him. Amen? And He just wants us to do what He said. And He says, if we do, we'll be multiplied, and we'll live. And then the Lord God will bless you, it says, in the land which you go to possess. Now look at 17. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. And then he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death blessing, and cursing. And here's the awesome words we need to listen to. He says, therefore, choose life. How many know if God, the creator of the world, says choose life, we should choose life? Amen. He's giving us a choice, amen? He's saying, I'm setting before you a choice, and that's every person who's ever born's opportunity of free will is to live in this world and choose. Amen? Amen? It's really actually refreshing to know that God doesn't make us choose him. That he doesn't force us to choose him. That true Christianity and the true walk of the Lord is a choice. And we weigh out our choices and we, we see what the Bible says he would give us or, or what the circumstances would be from our choices. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, I've been telling our church, no one's going to be in heaven that doesn't, does not want to be there. And no one is going to be in hell that does not want to be there. You make the choice of where you're going to spend eternity. And God is a God of choices. And that's what makes, again, God so awesome is that he would allow us to choose. And not like many other uh, uh, religions that would sometimes by fear or by force or by by other ways uh, or manipulation. God is not a manipulating God. He's a loving God. And he says, I'm setting before you a great path, an awesome path. But I'm going to tell you at the same time, he says, my path is not a wide path. My path is a narrow path. And I need you to walk the path that I ask you to walk. And he says, if you'll do that, you'll be blessed. He says, both you, verse 19, and your descendants will live. That you may love the Lord your God, obey his voice, and that you may Cling to him. How many know we need to cling to the Lord like never before? For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Father, we thank you this morning that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, that you are the living God this morning, that you are the all powerful God, that you are the answer this morning, Father. And Lord, you are the one that gives us courage to stand for you in a difficult world, Father. <clears throat> Father, we ask you to anoint our ears and our minds and our spirits this morning. Give us boldness, Father, to walk the walk this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I want you to go quickly to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. And as you're getting there, I want to reiterate again what, what I want to talk about this morning, the crossroad, the courage at the crossroad. I believe... In our world today, we're at a crossroads. The church is at a crossroads. We literally are facing things right now That's. it's not that they've never been around. We, we can go all the way back to Noah's time to see the sin that, uh, that is out today is, was back then. But it has gone to another level. And really, the church of Jesus Christ, the true church, which <clears throat> doesn't have a name or a denomination or a country or a city, it's the church of Jesus Christ around the world, amen? Whoever that is that believes in, in the gospel and the true uh, words of the Lord is, a ch- is the church, and we're at a place where we're at a crossroads, and obviously everybody knows what a crossroads means. It means we go one way or the other, and The system and the world and obviously the spirit of the Antichrist that is in the world and the things that we're seeing unfold around the world are are pushing the church like never before to make a choice. And that's why I started off with choose life and choose God because we are at a place as believers, church, where we have to really have courage and really stand our ground and really know what we believe and really say, this is what I stand for, and I, as the song says, I shall, I shall, I shall not be moved, amen? How many want to be a people this morning that are not going to be moved by anything but, but the will of God is for our lives, amen? Nothing else but what God wants. Now, we see a system coming into play again. How many know history repeats itself? Everything comes back around, and right now, I want to show you in the word of God that we are literally seeing the the book of Daniel chapter 3 coming back around in probably even in a stronger way. And if we look at verse 1, we see way back in the book of Daniel. And again, remember that the word of God is something that does always more than one thing at, at, at a time. They're talking about something that's going on there at that time. But obviously, Daniel being a prophet is also prophesying the future. That's the amazing thing about the word of God, how he can do more than one thing at one time. So he's telling a story about the book of, uh, about the uh, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, verse one. And it says he made an image of gold. And if you've got a pen, underline that or mark it in your notes. He made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, its width was 6 cubits, and he set it up in the plain of Dur in the province of Babylon. Most of us know this story. And he goes on to say to all the people in those following verses, he sends out a decree to all the government officials and everybody that is anybody, and he says, this is what we're doing in this country, in this place, in this kingdom. We are setting up an image. We are setting up something that you must worship. Now, if you look at the world today, you're going to notice that we're not even necessarily in a place where people are saying, we don't want to worship God or we don't believe in God. You actually have at this moment a a great move of religion. You have a great move of people who, who, who want to be godly or want to be affiliated with something But we all know this morning that there's an underlining uh, plan that the devil has to deceive people. Amen? And we understand that as we look at this, something's being set up right now, not even just in the United States, not even just in Canada, not just in Africa, but things are happening now with the word globally. Amen? Globally. Globally. And to understand this, I, I, I talked about this recently in our church. How many know when you say the word global, that's not really a problem? That's, that's understandable. Global shipping, global, you know, whatever. And if you say citizen, that's not a problem. We're citizens of the United States. We're citizens of Costa Rica, citizens of Kenya. But when you say global citizen, that takes a whole nother level. So we know now because of technology and everything, the world that is so large that has had more people than we've ever had, over 7 billion people, is now a small world. A very, very small world. And now this kingdom that wants to be established by the enemy is being set up right in our faces because of all these things. So you see as it goes on there, I want you to look down at verse 4. King Nebuchadnezzar sets up this image. And he says, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. Now no, notice that. O peoples, nations, and languages. That's worldwide. That at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre and, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all the kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Did you notice that he didn't just say, look at this image and give your loyalty to me? He he says there very interestingly, because we know that the devil is a copier, that he would say, okay, the true church worships with music. So let's make sure that this false church worships with music. They'll implement and copy things so that it would have an appearance of good and right, so it wouldn't be so far-fetched, but that we don't realize that worldwide they're calling, let's, let's worship this image. Amen? So you see the words there, you see the praise there, you see the, 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 the churchy, under religious understanding of what they're trying to do there. And it says in verse 6, And whoever does not fall down and worship this image shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. I'm not talking this morning about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or, or, or what happened after we know they stood and they, 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 they stood their ground, they stood their faith. But I want you to see more than anything that something's being set up right now in our world to get people to follow it and to look at it. And it's a dangerous thing. And we have to understand that as a church, we are at a crossroads. Amen. We're at a place at, that the Bible would call a valley of decision. Amen. So I want you to l- listen this morning to another verse over in the book of Revelation, just so you can see it quickly, the correlation of the result of what will happen in the future. In Revelation chapter 14, verse nine eleven, it says, Then a third angel followed, saying with a loud voice, If anybody worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God. And verse 11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever. And actually 1315 even says, He was granted power to give breath to an image of a beast, that the image should both speak and cause many, as would not worship the image of the beast, to be killed. How many know the end of the book says there's going to be a time worldwide where people are going to have to bow down to this spirit of the Antichrist that's in the world right now. It's in the world right now. And it's, and it's attacking the true church. And the true church has to make a decision who we serve and who we live for. And basically, here's what the world is saying right now. It's saying bow to it. It's saying bow to another way. Bow to a united way. Bow to a universal way. That's, we know that, again, this stuff's always been around, but now there is a, a united force coming together to really put in play and push things down to get us to a place where we really understand this is serious. We're at a crossroads right now. Can you say amen? amen. I want you to go to the book of Matthew if you would. And as you're getting there, I want to read something from Mr. Global Warming, Al Gore. Now, I want you to listen to the vocabulary of this, of what I'm telling you right now. He says, the richness and diversity of our religious tradition throughout history. Now it always makes me funny. It makes me laugh. And I think it's funny how certain people, when they need to, can become religious all of a sudden. People who never talk about God all of a sudden can, can, t- can talk the talk when they need to. What does he know about religious tradition? But he says throughout history is a spiritual resource long ignored by people of faith. I'm going to read this slow because I really want you to listen to this. Who are often afraid to open their minds to teachings first offered outside of their own system of belief. But the emergence of a civilization in which knowledge moves freely and almost instantaneously throughout the world has spurred a renewed investigation of the wisdom distilled by all faiths. This pan-religious perspective, listen to this, may prove especially important where our global civil, civilization's responsibility for the earth is concerned. So he's saying here, we're going to have to come together if we're going to survive the way the world's going right now. Is anybody else looking at the world that we're in right now and seeing that, that this is happening, that the, we know that there's, there's, a, there's a sense of something's on the, on the verge of happening even the, even the secular people understand that. They talk about the economy. They talk about a lot of things that are going on in the world where well, there's going to be a time and a place where they're going to have to say, look, it's no longer just an idea. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to join forces. We're going to have to come together. And if you didn't know it, just, this la- just a couple weeks ago at the UN, the, the Sustainable Development Agenda was put in place for 2016 to 2030. And it's basically talking about how we can end world hunger and how we can end poverty. That sounds like a great idea, right? Who who wouldn't be on board with that? But what we're going to see happen, church, if we don't watch it and understand the times we're in, is we're going to begin to be moved by force into a a decision where we're going to have to say, I stand on the word of the Lord. Because because of technology, maybe at a place you work in this morning, you might be seeing this, things are beginning to infiltrate companies and, and businesses. And we know that there's agendas that are going on. And trust me, this has nothing to do with politics. This is our lives, our daily lives. And companies that are very large, I could name some major companies, big companies that we use every day, are saying, we have an agenda we're pushing. And one of the biggest things, and I want to get to that in just a second, of two things that I see that are very dangerous that we have to be careful of, is the, the agenda that's being pushed is gender equality. Gender equality. Now, this is a conference called Courageous Faith. So we need to be courageous, and we need to call the kettle black. We need to say what we're seeing. We need to talk about this. And, and, and not worry about stepping on other people's toes because it's funny because the world doesn't have any problem stepping on our toes. But when we begin to say what the Bible says, all of a sudden we're the bigots. All of a sudden we're the haters. All of a sudden we're the mean people. It doesn't seem to be a two-way road. Tolerance doesn't seem to be a two-way road. It's only tolerant if you tolerate sin. Where's the tolerance for somebody saying, I still believe that the Bible says that a man and a woman should be married together. I still believe that the Bible says that sin is sin. I still believe. Where's that tolerance at? And so we're, ge- we're being pushed into a time and a place where we're going to have to make decisions. And I want to show you in the book of Matthew, if you'll get there, chapter 10. I want to remind you of something because I know every single one of us in here love Jesus. How many love Jesus yeah. with your lives unto the death? Amen. If you love Jesus, then you need to love Jesus' words. And Matthew 10 reminds us, verse 22, that you will be hated by all because of religion. No, no. You will be hated by all because of my name's sake. You can be in church. You can talk about God. You can be politically correct. You can look religious. You can act religious. You can do all that stuff. But when you say Jesus, something happens, not only on the earth but in the heavens, because there's something about that name. Can you say amen? Jesus he says you will be hated for my name's sake don't forget that but then we look over just a few verses over if you would in verse 34 I want you to see something this morning Jesus says do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth I did not come to bring peace but a sword." Can I say that again? Don't think that I can't, because the world wants to point, uh, paint the picture of Jesus as this mighty man of peace, and really what they're seeing right now, what they, wanted, what they really want Jesus to be, and like I said, I'm going to call the kettle black, what they really want the, Jesus to be is the Pope. They want him to be just a man of peace who just gets along with everybody who doesn't have a problem with anybody. But Jesus said in his own words, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Now that's not a sword of destruction what he's saying. He's saying that to serve me and live for me is decisive and divisive. To truly stand for Jesus, you're gonna have to divide some things. He says, my gospel is that I'm not okay with everybody's religion being the way to heaven. He says, no, I came to say, and listen, no one ever, I, we were talking to some guys on the basketball court a couple weeks ago, and they said, hey, uh, do, you, do you guys realize you're the only ones that say that Jesus is the only way? No other, bio, no other book, no other religion says that Jesus is the only way. No other book, they all say they're prophets. No other book says that he's God, and we said exactly Because he's the only one that can say he's God. Who does that? Who says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life? The way, the truth, and the life says that. Jesus says that. Amen? There's no other way to get to heaven but through Jesus. And he says, I come to bring a sword of division Not because he doesn't want families to be together. Not because he doesn't want marriages to be good. Not because he wants people fighting. He wants us to understand that his gospel of truth is one way. One way. He says, for I have not come to set a man against his father, a daughter, sorry, I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Why? Because there's going to come a crossroads where you are either with Jesus or you're not. You are all in or you're all out. And it's going to cause a division because some people want to have a form of godliness. Some people want to believe in Jesus and, oh, he was a good man. He was a prophet. You can't be a believer of the word of God and not believe Jesus is the only way. Amen. You can't take it any other way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. She says, I'm setting this up right now. And you have this in your own home. You have this in your own city. You have this in your own nation. It is a division. It's a division that's caused by truth. Truth divides. Everybody can get in on a lie. Everybody can throw their peace in on a lie. But truth divides. Because there's only one truth. You either know the truth or you don't. He says, he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So he says, I I come to bring a divisive sword, not peace. I come to get you to understand that I need you to make a choice. I'm placing before you life and death, and I need you to choose life. Amen? Amen. Now, quickly, I want, to, I want to tell you something else. It was mentioned several times this week, the story of Goliath, David and Goliath. And in 1 seven, Samuel 17, I just want you to write down in your notes just one word that's very important for the crossroads that we're at. Goliath stood up in that story, and he said, I defy the armies of Israel. What the spirit of the Antichrist is doing today, what the spirit of the world is doing today is saying, I defy Jesus. I defy, and, if, and the definition of defy means to desecrate. To desecrate. And so we know that God is a holy God. We know that God is a perfect God. We know that Jesus came to do a perfect purpose and a perfect plan for us, but they come to say, we defy what you're doing, and listen, today we're in a a world where as things are going crazy, we see, I want you to write these down, two divisive spirits, two very strong divisive spirits that are trying to creep into the church, and when I say church, I mean the worldwide church, the general church, there's two devices spirits. One of them is a unity of religion. Interfaith. That we can all get along. That we can all pray together. That we can all come together. And, and we just saw this a couple weeks ago, right before our eyes on TV, as the faiths were, tried, were brought together. Listen, you cannot, you cannot hang out or affiliate with it's not that we hate people or, or we, we, we want to hurt people. You can't affiliate with people that are not of like faith. This is, the, this is the time where the separation of the true church and the fake church is going to be more and more divisive. Amen. This is going to be the moment where God is looking for some men and some women to stand up and say, I'm going to have courage to stand at this crossroads and I'm going to choose Jesus every time. Amen. Amen. I'm going to choose what's right every time. I'm not going to go with what the world's doing. Amen. How many know that that's a that's a wide road? Jesus says, I need you to choose. The other one is. And when I say that, I say uh, religions, big, large religions. The movement of the Catholic Church, the movement of the Islamic Church, the Chrislam is a big movement right now. Whatever it is that's interfaith, whatever it is that brings all the faiths together, in one page, Jesus said again, I remind you in Matthew 10, I came to bring a sword. I came to, to, to divide because there's only one truth. The other one is the desecration of the sanctity of marriage. We're not afraid to talk about that. Pastors, we can't be afraid to talk about that. We can't let Kim Davis be the only one who stands up. Amen? We've got to preach the truth. We love everybody. We don't hate. The world's going to call us haters anyways. But say what the Bible says. This is a divisive spirit in the church right now. And it's in the, when you see the word desecration of the sanctity of marriage, that's the word Goliath said. He said, I defy God. I desecrate what God has made special. Amen? Y'all got quiet in the last few minutes. This is the truth. These are two spirits. And, and, and that's just proof in the pudding that it's, it's divisive in the church. It shouldn't be awkward for us to say what the Bible says. We shouldn't be like, oh, what's my neighbor going to think? Or, oh, what's my daughter going to think? Or, oh, that so-and-so came from over there. We shouldn't be worried about what other people are thinking. How about what God thinks? How about what the owner says? How about what the Lord says? Let's be more concerned with what he says. He's very clear in his word on these things. But I see it entering the church, and I see uh, people saying, uh, you know, why are Christians attacking Christians and, and they're looking at the things going on in the world and they don't understand but through the word of God and the lack of knowledge as someone mentioned this week that we've perished for lack of knowledge that there is coming a time when we've got to know what we believe and stand on it. Really stand on it. Amen? Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and I'll begin to close. So you see the two things that are issues that are pushing themselves Into our churches. Things that are divisive. I can see it even in our church in Denton. Just just people, just things you hear, things you that are said. Well, it's divisive, amen. These are issues people don't want to talk about for some reason. And that lonely Amen tells me that. Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof and from such people turn away. You can't get any clearer than that. From such people turn away. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is there may be a time very soon that in your workplace, you may have to turn away from your workplace. Because your workplace might say, if you're not tolerant to this or that, you can't keep your job. We're going there. The world's going there. Some of you, I believe, have even ran into that already. Then look down at verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, the persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Amen? Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I know that's not popular. I know that's not going to get everybody shouting. But that's what the Word of God says. It doesn't have to mean that you're going to get your head cut off. It means you might have someone not like you. It means you might have to make a decision at your job. It means you might have some problems with your family. That's what it means. It, it can go further than that. We know biblically in the end it will go further than that. But church, you know, we, we talk about loyalty. There was a great message preached on loyalty this week. Let me, let me just say something real blunt and real strong. We can't be loyal to people here on this earth if we're not loyal first to God. We've got to stand up for his word. We've got to stand up for what his word says. We've got to say, God, your word says this, and I'm going to stand on it. It says, but look at verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I want you to see that as I close this morning. Deceiving and being deceived. Anybody can be deceived. There is nobody that is exempt from deception. We have to to be studiers of the word like never before and get some of those key fundamental verses in our spirits that make us understand what divides and what makes things clear. And I wanted to give you three of those this morning, three key scriptures for today, I believe, for this day we're living in. 1 John chapter 2. These three scriptures are in the book of 1 John. If you'll go there, I'm going to close there this morning. 1 John chapter 2. Give me an amen when you get there. Three key verses. How do I know I'm in the truth. How do I know I'm right? These three verses right here are key. Who is a liar, verse 22, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Now, some of you new Christians aren't going to know a lot of this. Some of the older Christians and older people have been in the Lord longer and understand Dr. Morgan understand that there are a lot of religions and sects that have gone off off of the Bible and they hold to these things and and the Bible right here just knocks all that out okay just knocks it all out and if you study any of the other beliefs or religions you'll see things that they try to hold to and if you don't really know the Bible you just oh yeah that's that sounds good but he's real clear here He just said, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, if you don't believe that, then you are of the devil. You're the Antichrist spirit lives in you. And he says, he is is Antichrist. These are some strong words. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. That's why we believe in a trinity. The Father and the Son. And he says, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. That's a key verse. Learn it, memorize it, write it down, and make sure you understand that. Make sure you profess that. Make sure you pray that. Amen. How many know it's good to say those prayers? Father, I believe you are the Christ. Amen. Amen. Father, I believe you are. It's, It's you and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's good to pray those things. The confession. The Bible says we are saved by the confession of our mouth and the belief in our heart. The second verse is in 1 John chapter 4. Verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, watch this, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus came in the flesh, meaning he came from heaven and he was born of a virgin. And he lived on this earth in a human body. That's the deity of Jesus Christ. You cannot get away from that. Listen, I'm giving you three verses that if you're new in the Lord and you don't know all the doctrines of the Bible, know this. This is powerful. It is all about Jesus. Amen? He said, you'll be hated for my name's sake. Jesus. It's divisive. Amen? And then it says, "And every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ, has come in the flesh, is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world." Amen. One more. First John chapter five. Verse 10. I preached this in our church just recently. And there was just an anointing on this. There was just a power on this when we when we read these scriptures. It says, "He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself." Isn't that awesome? How many want to know that you're saved? How many want to know you're on the right side of God? Amen? Amen. The Bible says right here, "He who believes that He's got, that he, and the Son of God has the witness in himself for this, sorry, for he who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his, say it, Son. Watch this. He who has the Son has life. Now, let me tell you something. Just, just again, call the kettle black. The entire Islamic religion does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They have a problem with that. Well, they got a problem with the Bible then. And the Bible was written before their book was written, just so you know. Amen. Amen. This is the truth. This is the answer. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Don't try to speak your words. Speak his word. Amen. You be courageous in speaking his word. What his Bible says. What his book says. He doesn't need a defense. He just needs a voice. Amen. He who does not believe the son of God is not of God. Watch this. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now that takes us all the way back to, to the beginning in Exodus in Deuteronomy, where he says, choose life. What's life? The Son. What's life? The Son. How do I know I have life? I have the Son. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Amen? Last verse. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, in the name of the Son of God. We know that name. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Jesus, Prince of Peace. Amen? We have that name, the Son of God. He said that you may know that you have eternal life, and watch this, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Amen? that you may continue to believe. Musicians, you can come this morning. That you may continue to believe. What good does it do if we once believed? You must continue to believe. Right now, the church is at a crossroads. Right now, the world is daring us to believe in Jesus. The world says, I dare you to say Jesus is the only way. And I dare you this morning to do that. Are y'all here still? Do y'all realize this is where we're at? We've got to be bold, we've got to be courageous, we've got to say, yes, Jesus is the only mediator between man and God. Yes, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No one is going to get to heaven except through him. Bold faith, courageous faith, life-changing faith. He says choose life. He says choose Jesus, the son of the living God. I choose Jesus this morning. Amen. Bow your heads if you would. Jesus, your name is above every name. Jesus, in your name, people are healed. Jesus, in your name, demons have to flee. Jesus, in your name, the Bible says, whether they do it here on earth or not, the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, I declare this morning, you are Lord. I declare this morning that you are the Son of God, Jesus. I declare, Jesus, that you came down to he- from heaven to earth, and you came and lived in the flesh. God, it's the greatest story ever told. You would not expect us to go up to heaven and, and be good enough to get into heaven, but you said, no, I'm going to come down, and I'm going to live on this earth, and I'm going to die for you. Church, we're at a crossroads. You must personally, not even just as a church, that's great, but you must personally decide this morning, will you stand for Jesus? Will you stand for Jesus? That's the world we're in right now. It's being pushed like never before. It's not just about just being saved and and knowing the Lord now. It's a choice you've got to make. It's now even a life or death choice, as we just even saw this last week in Oregon. It's a life or death choice. I choose Jesus. How many all over this place this morning Front to back and side to side, you'd say. The Holy Spirit has spoke to my heart this morning and I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus the way you just said it. Or I've I've believed in Jesus a different way. And maybe those scriptures just clarified something for you. You're here visiting. The Bible says today you can be saved. Today's the day of salvation. How many all over this place quickly by the leading of the Holy Spirit, would you say, Pastor, would you pray for me for salvation? Just put your hand up and put it right back down. God bless you. How many more? I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Maybe you've never confessed. Maybe you've been in church for a long time, but you've never said, God, I I really believe, I really understand this morning. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're backslidden. You've gone back to your old ways and you need to get back right with God today. Listen, you might be here as a young teenager or an older person. You say, I've heard that so many times and I'm still here. What if today's the day? What if today's your day? Let's get right with God. If that's you, just put your hand up. Say, I'm backslidden. I need to come home. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is between you and God. I need to get right. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning.